I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Prior to going on my retreat, my experience of doing ministry here was a little bit like running at top speed through a forest where I had to watch the ground so I didn't break my ankle. And that was essentially the horizon of my vision at that time. And one of the great gifts of going on retreat is that you're able to slow down and walk and then ask yourself the question, where am I going? And where do I want to be going? And so I, I, I'm not going to do a complete data dump on you this morning. I've got a month full of stuff, um, and I, I'll, but I'm going to share with you some idea of that because I can't hear these scriptures except through the lens of the context that I was really reflecting on in my month away. And that, that context is, um, there are a few sort of iconic uh, things that I can point to that uh, that I think communicate the context that I'm working with as a, um, as a priest in the Anglican Church of Canada. And uh, one of the main points is, um, is a report produced by my friend and colleague Neil Elliott, which has gotten national and international attention, where he did a full survey of attendance records in every diocese in Canada, every Anglican diocese in Canada, territories, the works, as everything, and, he, and he got reports from everyone, and good data, actual data of attendance records, and what he saw for the last 30 years is a straight line going down. Every diocese, every, you know, liberal, conservative, the works, there is a complete, universal, downward trend line in attendance. And so here we are in 2020, that's the end of the graph. So what he did is he took a pencil, and drew a straight line following the slope of the line, and it hit zero in the year 2040. And that became the headline. The Anglican Church will be extinct by 2040. Some of you will have seen that headline. Um, and, uh, and so it's provoked a series of reactions, um, some of which are sad, some of which are amusing. Um, uh, but. I think it's prophetic. I think that his work is prophetic. It is, it's a bit Jeremiah, more Jeremiah than Isaiah, um, uh, but it is a word of the Lord to us. Because, of course, we don't know what's going to happen from 2020 to 2040. There's a question mark there, which is quite legitimately pointed out. That, that, that trend line is a trend. It's not an inevitable prediction. However, the assumption built in that trend line is that we will continue doing exactly what we are doing today. And that's the prophetic word to the church. That if we just keep going along as we have, we have no reason to expect the trends to change. So the question for the church is what are we doing? Get our eyes up from the rocks underfoot and ask that question, where are we going? Where do we want to go? Why does it matter? So that really was what I've been thinking about for the last month, pretty solid. And then I come back to these readings where it says, you are salt and you are light. And there are some words of caution in the scriptures. If the salt has lost its flavor, it's good for nothing. And so are we really salty? Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I really like food. And putting a little salt in does something magical to the flavor of many dishes. Um, 
And it, it isn't the dish. It does something to the dish. It adds flavor. And if it doesn't add any flavor, it's worthless. You don't keep it in the kitchen. And so as a word to the church, the question is, are we salt? And of course, keep that metaphor in mind. The point is not what goes on in here. The point is what we do out there. The point is that the church exists for the world, not for the church. And so the first question for us as a church is, are we salt? Are we adding something to the flavor of the world that is necessary for the world to be experienced in all of its richness? And so what do we bring? And the second point is light. And of course, the word of caution in there is that you don't hide the light. You don't keep it to yourself. And so again, it points us not inward, but outward. And, so, and, and the image of light is an interesting one because, again, it, it provides perspective or illumination. It's a new way of looking at or a way of seeing things that you wouldn't see if you were in the darkness. And so, again, part of our responsibility, our mission, our purpose is to shed light on the human experience in a way that illuminates certain things that would not be obvious without this kind of perspective. And so I, uh, I, I've been reflecting on that. So the first, so the trend line is maybe telling us that we've lost a little bit of our flavor and that maybe we've put a bushel over our light. And if we've done that, how do we undo that? And what is it? What is the flavor? So when we think of that salt image, the, the readings today are just a little too neat. So you go down just a few lines in this gospel reading and it says, I've come not to abolish but to fulfill the law. So everything in the Old Testament is still valid. And so then you go to the Old Testament reading and it says that if you're not feeding the hungry and bringing justice to the oppressed and so forth and there's no point in your worship, um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a bow tied up on that business of what does it mean to be salt for the earth? Um, and what does it mean to be the church in the world? It has to do with caring for the outcast and the hungry and the oppressed. That's it. That's what we're doing. Um, but when you put it together with the illumination point, there, I, I, the, the other part of the context, and again, I, 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 I could take a lot of time on this and I don't want to, is that we're living in a context where our experience of the world is mediated by the internet for the most part. Um, and so it has affected our, the, the attention economy has affected how we think and how we perceive the world. And one of the, one of the, um, uh, one of the essential questions for the church is, is, a, is do we have a different perspective than the perspective that is provided um, thanks to the economic incentives of internet giants like Google and Facebook? Because of course, on the internet, if you're talking about peace and justice, for example, you get a little bit more heat than light. And so does the church have a different way of coming at the question of peace and justice? I think it's a mistake to just try to get woke online because that, that is not actually providing something new to the equation. That's where we're at. But um, the, the attention economy is reducing our ability to think into four or five second in in increments. So the, a wise person once said on Twitter, um, 
<laughs> it's morning. What fresh hells await me on my fresh hell device? And so for many, many people, their experience of the world is mediated through this handheld device where they scroll and they go, uh, ah, uh, ha, 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 uh, ah, ha, 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 ha. And that's their experience of the world in little bite-sized increments that is all monetizable because the more clicks and the more scrolls, the more ads come at you. And of course, what is being, what is, what is being turned into cash is your fear and your greed and your dopamine. And the church is about reflection, about being rather than doing, about retreat, time away, just time to be with God. This time right now is not useful and it's not monetizable. We are just here to be together in the presence of God and it sheds a new light on everything. The last thing I will say, I promise, is the other part of this light to the world that Christianity gives is, is particularly relevant to the people caught up in the attention economy. And it is, is because the people who are living in the attention economy, particularly younger adults, I learn about this from my children who are great teachers of me, um, one of whom identifies as a doomer. You may have heard that expression. Um, you've heard of boomers fair number of you out there. Um, doomers are younger, and they are convinced the world is doomed. And what they don't have is hope. And when we gather and we say, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, we are immersing ourselves in the story of hope and in a perspective of hope. And it shines a light on the world and it illuminates the world in a way that can't be seen when you're in the darkness of ha ha ha, ay, yikes, oh yeah, I'm so mad about that, oh that's very funny, and away we go. Um, you put the phone down and you say, the earth is the Lord's and all is that is in it, and are we actually in relationship with it anymore? And as a church, we're here in real time. This is FaceTime, not the trademark by Apple version, by the way. This is real FaceTime, and this is a gift to the world. So, salt and light. And if we live into the saltiness and lightness of our being as a church, there is every reason to believe that that trend line will not apply. And the good news is, here at All Saints, that's not our trend line. So whatever we're doing, it's already on the right path. And the question that we need to ask ourselves, and Renewal Works is a great tool for this, so yet another plug for participating in that process, that allows us to do that reflection on what God is doing with us and amongst us, and how can we um, focus in on that even more than what we have been doing so far? Because I think our trend line is different. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.